everyone. Welcome to episode 192, Urges. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. So today is a very unfun title. Like you think I'd say like understanding urges or umbrella urges or something with assonance or alliteration. Something like I just cursed. <laughs> um, when I said assonance, oh my God, sometimes I think I'm like a first grader. I like literally have the maturity level of like a small child. That's probably why I love teaching so much because I can relate with them. So today, um, I cannot believe we're almost at episode 200. Like what is actually going on? Like for real, like can we just have a moment of silence? Like what is going on that we're almost to episode 200? And people ask me all the time, they're like, how what, what do you, how do you, what, what are you going to talk about next? Like, when are you going to run out of ideas? And I'm like, listen, listen, brah. That's what my kids call me. So it's like so contagious. Brah. It's not bro. It's brah. Apparently. Brah. I hear it all the time. Um, apparently like the crazy thing is, is that I have pages and pages and pages of notes and ideas and they just keep coming to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to them about urges and what to do with them. <gasps> oh my goodness. Like I feel like a horrible podcast host because things will pop up and I'm like, emergency 911, we have to record this immediately. I learned about urges and understanding urges. That's really what the title should be. But I'm going to stay away from assonance this week. <laughs> that word makes me giggle. When I was going through certification and it finally clicked because we all have urges and an urge is just a way of the brain saying our prefrontal cortex, which is the healthy part of our brain, when we're falling asleep, driving in the car, when we're in the green zone, just consider that your prefrontal cortex. That's our prefrontal cortex. That's why we make the best laid plans. And then when we go to execute it, we get all caught up in our emotional brain, our ego, primitive brain, monkey mind. That's why it's so hard to create change, long-lasting change for all of us, me included. Remember, this is the podcast about all of us. We are the same. I am you. You are me. My kids are yours. Your kids are mine. They're all the same as far as we all have the same emotions. We all deal with the same things. We know what to do, but then when we go to do it, it's like we misfire. Like, what happened? We had the best plan ever, Kelly. What's, what's going on? I saw in a TikTok the other day, they're like, my morning self and my night self, they're in an abusive relationship. They don't ever get along. The night self completely abuses the morning self. And then the morning self just keeps putting up with it. So when you're talking about urges, so many people come to me and I go to my coach saying the same thing. I just want to stop doing X, Y, Z. And so many people tell me, I just want to stop yelling. I just want to stop eating the junk. I just want to stop cluttering up my house. I just want to stop smoking. I just want to stop drinking. I just want to stop checking Facebook every two minutes. I just want to stop checking my email. I want to stop watching that. So the ability to stop is actually easier because it's much easier 
to not pick up the drink of alcohol if that's a goal. The stopping is actually easier because it's less effort. You're not really doing anything. So stop smoking. It's very easy to say on paper and your prefrontal cortex says, okay, I'm not going to buy the cigarettes. I'm not going to buy the lighter. I'm not going to pick up the cigarettes if I have them in the house. If my spouse smokes or someone in my family smokes and I have access to them, I'm just not going to smoke. So the not smoking is actually easier than the smoking. That's what the prefrontal cortex says. It's like, just do it like Nike says. But then we go to do the thing and we haven't been taught how to feel our emotions. So stopping the actually stopping the activity or slowing it down is the easy part. What is so hard and so challenging for all of us is dealing with the emotion that the urge creates when we don't comply. So the brain will say, remember, our thoughts create our feelings, which create our actions, which create our results. So, so many people spend their life in the A-line of just resisting in the A-line and saying, I'm just going to stop smoking. I'm just going to stop smoking. I'm just going to stop. And they say it over and over. And they think that if they just say it over and over, then all of a sudden it will happen. And then they smoke the cigarette and then they lose trust in themselves and then they throw the baby out of the bathwater and make a character assassination. I'm not good enough. I have no willpower. I'm a loser. I'm, my dad was right. My mom was right. My greedy, greedy grandpappy was right. All that old tapes and all that old wiring continues because we spend time in the A line of the model and not the T line. When we know that our thoughts create our feelings, which create our actions, then we can have more power in our life and get some of our power back. And we don't have to rely on willpower. Because willpower is a myth. Because when we have the urges, it demands that we take action. It demands that we pick up the cigarette or pick up the glass of wine. It's a thought that goes through our mind. It doesn't have any authority over our life, but it creates this sense of urgency because if it doesn't listen, if we don't comply, then the urge gets louder and louder and louder. And it's very difficult to allow the urge without responding. It's kind of like a toddler in the grocery store who is yelling and screaming for the candy bar at the checkout. They yell and scream, they yell and scream, they yell and scream. That is what your brain is doing when you have an urge to do something. So then the parent has one of two choices. Give the child the candy bar so the parent is not embarrassed, so the child will stop crying, or let the toddler keep going and going and going and going, risk public embarrassment and having a hard time seeing a, their child upset. So those are the choices. So what happens is sometimes we give them the candy bar and then they say they're relieved. They're thankful. They can take a sigh of relief. Like, oh, I got the candy bar. And then what happens in their brain? They learn when I want something, I cry repeatedly. It gets rewarded. So the tantrums get stronger. So we talk all about tantrums and how to tame the tantrums and how to hold the space and ignoring them isn't the thing and giving them to them isn't the thing. So that's a whole nother episode. But when we're talking about our own self and our urges, it's not about controlling the behavior. It's about controlling the urge directly and allowing the urge. Because a lot of times we hear that urges are irresistible. We cannot resist them. So we just give in. It's just so hard. Kelly, you don't understand. The urge is so strong, it's irresistible. And that is very true because when we go to resist the urge, we think that we just have to ignore it like the toddler who wants the candy bar. We just think if we ignore the toddler, they'll stop. But what does the toddler do when they don't get the candy bar? They get louder and louder and louder 
until one of two things happen. Either they get the candy bar or they flee the scene. That is the goal. Sorry. That is the strategy that most of us do when we have an urge. We try to push it away, ignore it. It's not happening. And we resist it. And what happens when we resist it or we push it away? We try to distract ourselves, just like we're distracting the toddler. The urge only intensifies. I don't know about you, but it only intensifies because the thinking just has to get stronger and louder to get what it wants. So then we give into the urge, we smoke the cigarette, then the desire, sorry, then the urge is actually rewarded. And then it perpetuates this cycle that we're on this crazy cycle of urge, reward, and force. So that means you have the urge, you reward it with the dopamine and with the, with the Facebook or with the cigarette or the candy bar. Then we get a hit of dopamine and then we have the self-loathing and shame afterwards for yelling or the cigarette that we didn't want or drinking too much or passing on the workout that we promised we would do. So do you see this like crazy cycle that we get ourselves on because we're resisting, pushing away, resisting, pushing away. Then we give in to the urge because it only gets louder like the toddler in the grocery store. And then we create this pattern of behavior that we're like, whoa, how did I get this far that I'm having a candy bar every single day? It used to be just on Sundays. What's going on? So it just deepens that cycle and gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's why so many people feel like they can't stop and things are happening against their will. Like they're yelling against their will or they're eating against their will or they're over drinking against their will or they're smoking too much against their will or they're eating the ding-dongs against their will. It's like the Twinkies just fell in my mouth. I don't know what happened. It didn't, I didn't do it. It just happened because that's when we're caught in our unconsciousness. So what happens is when we create consciousness around this, we have the urge. You do not have to resist the urge. You do not have to react to the urge. This is going to feel really crazy and wild, but you are going to allow the urge. The panic mode will happen. Your brain will start to spaz. It will do all the things that the toddler does at the grocery store. And you just keep talking to the brain like it's a toddler. It's okay. I know you want the thing. I kind of do too. That would be nice. We're doing things differently this time. And you just talk to it in this calm, nice, relaxed voice. And you allow the urge to keep getting louder and louder and louder. And over time, it will get softer and, and softer and softer. And then the end goal is that it will extinguish over time. Because every time you answer the urge, it gets stronger. Every time you allow the urge and you listen to the urge, but you don't react to it and you don't push it away, it starts to dissipate and get softer over time. It's kind of like if you ever had a breakup and you're so used to talking to that person 47 times a day and then the breakup happens, you're like, wait, I can't call him. I can't call her. Wait, what? And then the urge, a lot of times we give in and we're like, I'll just call him one more time just to see if I left my uh, curling iron over there just real quick. And then we give in to the urge and then the urge gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then over time, we stop giving in to the urge because they've moved on or we've moved on. And sometimes it happens cold turkey, but you can see how that urge to call after you didn't answer it over and over and over, it dissipates and it gets quieter and quieter and quieter. Instead of thinking it 47 times a day, you might think of it 30 times a day the next day. Then you might think of it 20 times a day the next day, then 10 times, then five times. Then you stop doing it all together 
and it doesn't even cross your mind. You forget their phone number. You block them. You take their number out of your phone. Back in the day, we had to memorize phone numbers. All of a sudden, the memory of the phone number is G-O-N-E. It's like Pavlov's dog. You can ring the bell. There's got no getting any salvation because the food is not there. So people will ask all the time. So that means I can never yell again, or I can never eat the Twinkies again. I can never drink again. I can never smoke again. So you're saying it's all or nothing. And I always say, and I learned this from Brooke, is that when you are ever trying to create better habits, you always want to make the plans with your prefrontal cortex. So if you want to smoke the cigarette, you just plan with your prefrontal cortex. And then you keep your word to yourself. You have your own back and you allow the urge Let's say you say, I'm going to do, I'm only going to smoke on the weekends. Eventually you want to get to smoking. Let's just say your goal is to never smoke another cigarette again. So you don't want to do it cold turkey. You want to do it slowly, but surely. So you say the month of February, I'm only going to drink on the weekends. I'm going to have three cigarettes with my coffee on Saturday and three cigarettes with my coffee on Sunday. And then during the week, I'm not going to have any. So then what happens is Monday morning with the coffee, I guess cigarettes and coffee are like a big thing. When the coffee comes on Sunday, on Monday, your brain will start to spaz. It will start to start to freak out. It will start to have be the toddler in the grocery store and you just allow it. And you just feel all the feelings that come up. This is not fun to feel these feelings, but the more that we practice them, the less scary they are. Because when you think about it, a feeling is a vibration that is going through our body. It's not going to kill us. It's not going to hurt us. It doesn't feel great. A lot of times we get mad about being mad or we're frustrated with urges or we're sad that we're sad. But when you allow the feelings, you don't have that shame and self-loathing on top of the emotion. You're like, oh, this is part of the human experience. This is what Kelly told me about 50% of the time I'm going to feel not so hot. And then 50% of the time I'm going to feel awesome. So when you are having tricky emotions, you're not double compounding it and making it worse. And when you start to plan your life with your prefrontal cortex and you start to have your own back and keep your own promises, what happens is you develop a level of trust and integrity with yourself, just like you would to a good friend. Treat yourself like you would a good friend. Your relationship with yourself is one of the most important relationships you're going to have because it sets the tone for all the other relationships. Because when you're a good friend to yourself, you keep your promises and you treat yourself kindly like you would a friend. What happens is everybody else in your life becomes extra credit and you're not so needy and graspy looking for other people to fill a hole that we have put there ourselves with the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we beat ourselves up with all the self-loathing. Now, you're never going to get to a point in your life, I don't know if that's even possible. I've never gone a day without self-loathing or beating myself up. That's not the goal for me. The goal for me is just to spend equal airtime on the other side too. Because when you live in the prefrontal cortex and follow the plan that you set out during calm waters when you're in the green zone, and then you do the thing that you say you're going to do, you develop a sense of self-love and pride for yourself and you have some of your power back. Right now, the Twinkies are getting all of our power or the cigarettes are getting all of our power or the bottle of wine or the Facebook messenger or the Facebook scrolling or the yelling. They're getting all of our power. So this is a way to get some of our power back. And if you're a control enthusiast like me, aka control freak, this is a great way. Instead of trying to control all the people and all the Twinkies and all the cigarettes and all the little kids, 
then we stop trying to control the spouse or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the mother-in-law or the sister-in-law. We just let all of everybody be the way they want to be. And then we get to show up with integrity and love and respect and empowerment and control over our own life. Then life becomes a lot more fun. And the best part of all of it is once we learn this skill and we allow urges and we sit in the discomfort, it gets softer over time. And the best part of it all, we get to teach our kids how to do it because they're going to have the same thing happen to them. It's just going to be different, but it's all going to be the same. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.